Um, so, so here's what's going to happen. Um, today, though, we're in this in-between week, and we're going to talk about stewardship. And stewardship um, is nobody's favorite topic. And so if you're visiting today, um, or you haven't been in a while, and you're like, see, even the most skeptical of us are like, I knew it. I knew that all the church wanted to talk about was my stuff. And all the church wanted was for us to give them our money. No, listen, listen. We don't need your money. We're doing okay. Right? Um, God doesn't need your money. He's just fine. Right? But God does want your whole heart. And so we're going to deal with stewardship today. We're going to talk about what that means. And we're going to talk about why it's in here. And we're going to talk about what God hopes to accomplish through you and your stuff. You, you know this, I'm sure, but, but Jesus talks more in Scripture about your money and your things more than he talks about heaven and hell combined. Now, Jesus cares about heaven and hell. He cares immensely about heaven and hell, and he teaches strongly about heaven and hell, but he talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined, and he does it for two really clear reasons that we're going to ferret out here. One of them is because it ain't yours. Because it's his. Because everything that you have is a blessing or a gift from the God of the universe. Everything that you have and experience and enjoy, everything is a gift from your very good heavenly father. And secondly, because he knows this. You need to store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. That's just good advice, right? Right, store your stuff in a place where it's not going to be ruined and, and be stolen and disappear. Right, that's just good advice. But here's why, here's why it matters. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. See, and you notice this interesting thing here, and this is Jesus. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Jesus doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, where your heart goes, eventually your money will catch up. Jesus doesn't say that. See, what he doesn't say is, hey, hey, where your heart goes, all of your stuff will eventually go. Some of you that are married are thinking, that's exactly what happened. I got married, and that's where all my money... No. In our relationship, that's what Carrie's thinking. But, but the point is this. As he regroups with a cup of coffee, or drink of coffee. The point is this. Jesus doesn't say it that way. He knows that's the wrong formula. What he says is, I know how you're wired. He says, and I know your nature. And where you put your stuff, your heart is going to gravitate there. Where you put your stuff is where your heart will gravitate towards. Right? Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. The word there is follow. And so Jesus says, no, no, no. He talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined because he says, when you understand rightly, right, and you put your treasure in me, that's where your heart will go. I mean, it's just simple. We just hate it. It's not complicated. It's simple, but we hate it. But where your treasure is, that is where your heart will naturally go. And so that's why Jesus talks so much about these things, and that's why we're going to dig in here. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about your money, and we're going to talk about your stuff, and we're going to talk about what stewardship means, and it's going to be okay, I promise. Here's what I want you to remember 
for, for um, the cynical folks in the group that, that are starting to think, oh, see, I, I knew it. Listen, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you something that, that I hope you know. I'm for you. I love you. I want good for you. And God has asked me to shepherd you. And so my role as your shepherd is to open the full counsel of God and to tell you what it says. So that's all we're doing today. Whenever we talk about money and stuff, I always like to ask this question first. So you've probably, if you've been here for you know, a while, you've heard it before. But, but I want you to, to, to close your eyes and I want you to think for a second. I want you to fill in the blank. My overall financial goal is... I want you to, to, to lock it in, fill in the blank, and think about what it is. You can open your eyes. Some of you are like, I'm not closing my eyes. He can't make me do that. And some of you are like starting to drift off to sleep. Just you can all open your eyes now, and hopefully you filled in the blank. Your overall financial goal is what? And I don't need you to tell me, right? And there's no way that I know unless we have an, a, a more intimate conversation. But I can tell you that in this culture, in this country, um, when people are surveyed and when people are asked, the answer always boils down to one of three things. It can fit in one of those categories. And I'd imagine yours will too. Those categories, it's either security, something about enjoyment or pleasure, or something about legacy. Typically, when people answer that question, their answer fits into one of those categories, either for enjoyment and pleasure, security, or some kind of legacy that they want to leave. And how we view that typically depends on, on what we do with our stuff, right? What we do with our money, right? If it's pleasure and enjoyment, then we're going to, we're going to get stuff that we're going to enjoy. We're going to go on trips. We're going to plan those things. We're going to probably buy more than we can afford. That's, that's a, a common problem in the world that we live in. Well, in this part of the world that we live in. Okay? If it's security, you're probably going to be um, very much a saver and an investor because you're going to want that money, those resources to, to be there for you when all the chips are down. If it's legacy, then you're probably going to be a little bit more philanthropic. philanthropic. You're going you're gonna to either invest for your kid's future or you're going to invest for community or those things. And, and none of those are right or wrong answers. If it's for security, security's awesome. We like security, right? That's why we save for retirement. That's not sinful to save for retirement, right? If it's, if it's for enjoyment or pleasure, that's not wrong either. That's why we have stuff. Right? That's why we go out to dinner, and it's why we go on vacations that we schedule and plan for. It's why we do those things. And, and if, it's, if it's legacy, how can that be wrong? Like, none of those are wrong. But what I'm going to suggest to you is that we get into Scripture is, is that they're incomplete. Okay? Because when we take the viewpoint that everything we have isn't ours, but in fact it's coming from God, it will start to change the way we think about our stuff. And so we're going to ponder this question. I'm going to ask you to keep it in the forefront of your mind as we go. What would it look, what would it look like in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your, um, in your own budget, if you began operating under the assumption that God has given us everything we have. Let's stop there for a second. What would it be like, right? What would it look like for you to begin operating under the assumption that God has given you everything you have, period. End of story, right there. 
What would that be like if you started to operate under the assumption that everything that I experience, everything I have, my account, my stuff, my house, my cars, everything is given to me by God. And then what would it be like if I understood that that wasn't so I could have more, but so that I could give more? And and again, I want to be clear. I'm not asking you to write me a check, right? That's not what I mean when I say give more. I mean living a life of generosity. Living a life that pours yourself out for the sake of others and the kingdom. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to really dig in here, and we're going to see what God has to say. There are six principles that we can—there's more, but there's six that we're very clearly going to go over quickly that we're going to pull out from Scripture that we're going to dive into about what God says about stuff, uh, and then we're going to talk practically for a second. So, um, basic principles for giving. Number one, um, here's what you need to know. Giving is not the cause of salvation. It's an indicator of it. The reason we have to start here is because I would hate for someone to walk away thinking that because they give, or if they give to the church, that they are all of the sudden solid. That that fact that they give puts them solidly um, on good ground with the God of the universe. And I'm here to tell you that just ain't true. Right? Ephesians 2.8, we already talked about it this morning. Um, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. See, remember earlier I said, some of us, we believe in God and, and we're generally good people and we count on that to trust us. One of the markers of being a generally good person is that I'm charitable. Right? You put a dollar, probably not a dollar, 75 cents maybe, in the kettle when you go into the store. Because it's Salvation Army, and it, it helps the homeless, and it's good, and it's, it's nice. And so we do that, and we're like, we're good people. We give to Salvation Army. We bought Girl Scout cookies. Who bought Girl Scout cookies? That's it? Oh my goodness, you're terrible people. <laughs> Did you know you could put those Thin Mints in the freezer? And then it's just like a little treat. You, I mean, you can't at my house because Aubrey eats them all. But otherwise, you could put them in the freezer and they could just be... But, but we buy Girl Scout cookies and, and, and we donate and we're good. So, but, but here's the thing. Giving is not the cause of salvation. You could give everything you have. You could be destitute because every time you get paid, that money just goes straight to some other needy cause. It goes straight to the church. It goes straight to Goodwill. It goes straight to Salvation Army. It goes straight to to your uncle's brother's kids who really need stuff. You could put it wherever you want. And ultimately, you are no more right with God than you were before. Because salvation is not found in your generosity. Salvation is found by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at this. You can't take credit for it because it's a gift from God. I don't ever want you to be confused here at this church. I don't ever want you to be confused anyway, but certainly not here that thinking that you're giving somehow causes your salvation. But your giving matters because it is an indicator of your salvation. Giving is a fruit of salvation. Look at what happens in James. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Basically saying, is that kind of faith real? Is it good for anything? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, hey, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Basically saying, what what good is your faith? 
And so James very clearly here is saying, look, it's, it's not that giving brings in salvation to you, but if you are in fact saved, then you will be moved to be generous with people. And, and in this context, he's very specifically talking about the church. So this would be like us coming together to worship together on a Sunday morning, right? And it's 20 below outside, and you don't have a coat, and you don't have a place to be, and you don't have a car, and you don't have anything to do except go be outside. And other people, brothers and sisters in Christ, walk up to you and give you a little shot on the shoulder and say, hey, I know it's rough out there. Stay warm. Be full. Good luck. And then we go to Pizza Ranch and leave them to fend for themselves. And James says, man, if that's your faith, that faith is worthless. It's useless. It does no good. Right? Giving is not salvific. It doesn't save you, but it is a fruit of salvation. If you are changed by the Holy Spirit, your desire will be to meet the needs of the people around you. Not in totality, but you'll be moved. We keep going. Another basic principle for giving, giving is easier when we understand stewardship. Stewardship is simply the idea that what you got, you didn't earn. And I know some of you work very hard and that will challenge you and it will annoy you. Some of you work very, very hard. But what you have, you didn't earn, it was given to you by God. Your ability to earn it was given to you by God. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Your job isn't to own it. Your job is to steward it, to manage it. Think about it like the church budget for a second. This church operates a budget of $357,000 and like 12 cents. It's weird. I don't know where the 12 cents come in. I'm not an accountant, but there's some sense in there. But basically, $357,000 is what the combined budgets were after the merger of Revolution and Blessed Hope Church back in March. As staff and elders of the church, it's on us to manage those funds. But they're they're not mine, right? People give generously to the church so that we can be actively involved in the ministry and the community and bringing the kingdom in a, in a serious, tangible way um, and, and hopefully bringing life where there isn't life and, and hope where there's no hope and, and light where there's only darkness. And that's the role. We're here to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why people give generously to the church. That's why as leaders of the church, we steward that money. If we said, forget it, we're going to the Bahamas. Right? All the leaders and all of their spouses were all going to the Bahamas, and that's it. Because, well, it's, it's in our account. It's all good. We can do with it whatever we want. You would rebel, and you would revolt, and you would say, get out of here. That's terrible. And you'd be right to do so, because it was never ours to have. It was ours to manage. Right? Everything you have is yours to manage. You are given it by the God of the universe to manage. And we see that in Scripture. Right? 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11, for God is the one who provides seed to the farmer. Okay? You're not a farmer. That's okay. God is the one that puts cash in your pocket. God's the one that does that. God's the one that gives you. God's the one that gives you the ability to go to work. God's the one that wired you so that you could do the work that you do. God is the one who has given you health or whatever it is that allows you to do that. Right? In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then you'll produce a great harvest of generosity. 
right? That's what he says. I will provide you resources, and in you, that will produce a great harvest of generosity. And and then, again, one more time for me, one more time for the slow guy. Here's what he says again. So, So, yes, you will be enriched in every way. Yes, I love being enriched. Except, oh, wait, it's not for me. You'll be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can always be generous. When you have, God has given, and you have for a purpose. And it is not so that you have more, but it's so that you can be more generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, guess what? They thank God. Because who is it about in the first place? It was always about God. God says, I give you the seed. I give you the ability. I bring everything your way so that you can have more. You can have more, right? So that you can be generous in every way. And you can be generous every way because when you're generous in every way, guess what? People will give me thanks. And it was always all about God. It's the way that it's always been. It's, it, it's the, um, the, the parable of the talents that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, right? He gives one of the managers five talents of gold, and he gives another one two talents of gold, and he gives another one one talent of gold. And we may say, well, it's not fair. How come this one got more than this one? And you know what? That never even comes up in the parable because it doesn't matter. The point was what, what the, the, the master wanted was for them to take what he gave them and use it on his behalf. That was the goal, right? He wants them to use it on his behalf. That's what God has given us things for, right? Does he want us to enjoy life? Sure. Is it wrong for you to go out to dinner? Absolutely not. Are vacations evil? No way. Those are good things. And God has given for your enjoyment, but also he has increased in you. Why? So that you can be generous in all occasions. And in that generosity, people will give thanks and praise to the God of the universe. This is the way this works. Right? Stewardship is a hard thing to swallow. But it is the key to understanding what God wants from you. It's the key to this idea that where my treasure is, my heart is, is understanding that it isn't mine in the first place. It's easy to understand with kids, right? Right? It's easy to understand with kids. We left, Carrie and I, we went to to, um, Dallas a couple weeks ago for the Right Now conference so we could learn and be encouraged and equipped, and it was awesome. And so we went to the conference, and Riley came to watch the kids, and... and, um, when grocery shopping, it was all set, but we also got out some cash and we put it on the table so that Riley could take the kids out to eat and do whatever and they could have some fun together, right? If Riley took that money that we gave her to manage and she put it in her pocket and she kept it and she said, sorry guys, we're not going out. You're having frozen pizza again. And that was just the end of it. That would be frustrating because she would not have stewarded that money well. I wanted her to enjoy it but I wanted her to enjoy it in a specific way that we had designed because it was ours and we were giving it to her to manage for us. Does that make sense? That's what God does with us, right? Now, I'm probably gonna hear after the service that that's exactly what she did. Did she take you out? Oh, man. See, you feel feel my frustration. That's how God can feel at us sometimes, right? that's, That's what we do to God. We're like, thank you, God. For all of the blessings, I will throw 75 cents in the kettle when I walk by at Fairway. Uh, Thank you for the $75. I'll take the kids to McDonald's. Probably made them order off the dollar menu, too. Just keep going, right? 
One more. Principle number three, giving is to be a priority. Here's what Proverbs 3, 9 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Your giving is to be a priority. You want to honor God with it? Then put him first. That's the priority part, right? Make him a priority. That's what the first fruits of all your crops are. See, they, uh, this, this is the way this was done. They would plant and they would harvest. And the first of what they harvested, the first and the best would go to God. The rest they would do things with. It's a priority. I'll look at it in the New Testament. This is the way that Paul ferrets it out. He says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. He says, make it a priority. Set it aside, right? Because we know this principle. The principle is that if we don't plan for it, we won't do it. God says, I want to be first and foremost here. He says, I want you to honor me first before you honor anything else. And that's a tough thing to swallow, because we're sitting there, we're thinking, but I've got groceries to buy, right? I've got taxes to pay. I've got bills to pay. Rent is due. And we start thinking about all of these things, and we start thinking, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to spend, and I'm going to take care of all of these things first. Then, what's left over, I'll make sure to give God. But here's the thing. God says, I don't don't want leftovers. I don't want leftovers. God says, I am the God of the universe. I am the giver and sustainer of life. Everything you have, you have because I've given it to you. I want to be a priority. You can take that principle and you can apply it to a lot of things in your life about putting God first and not last. Time with him. I know some of you hate getting up early in the morning and you'd rather do it at the end of the day. And I'm one of those people, right? I'd rather not wake up early in the morning um, and, and, do, and do Bible study or prayer or anything else. I'd rather do it at the end of the day. But you know what? When I don't do it early and I think, oh, I'll just do it at the end of the day. Guess what happens at the end of the day? Man, I'm dog tired. And reruns of Friends seem good. Right? I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch TV because I'm exhausted, right? Because when I don't give God first and best... He gets leftovers, and leftovers aren't what he's asking for, right? You're not going home to your mom's house on Thanksgiving so she can give you cold spaghetti, right? You're going for the best, I assume, unless you really like cold spaghetti. I don't. I don't like hot spaghetti. So for me, it falls apart all over the place. Anyway, we keep going. Principle number four, giving is to be proportional, you know, there's this thing that happens in most churches where 80% of the giving is done by 20% of the people. And it's a maturity thing, right? Because, because only a few people understand that everything they have has been given by God, and so they take giving seriously. Everybody else is kind of giving God the leftovers, right? Or nothing at all, for that matter. And so most of the giving is typically done by fewer of the people. But that's not the way God designed it. God designed for giving to be proportional and what we would call fair, right? Bring all the tithes into the storehouses. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it all in. Try me, put me to the test. This is God talking to to the Israelites when they were not tithing the way that they were supposed to. But the point here is that God is very specifically talking about a tithe. So for those of you that didn't know, tithe literally means 10%. 
right? So giving is to be proportional. And the way that God decides the proportion is he says that, that you are to bring a tithe. A tithe means 10%. That's not a number we made up. That's what tithe means. You go back to Hebrew and you look, what does tithe mean? It means 10%. Okay, and so we are to bring a tithe. Now, some of you are like, but Matt, we're in the New Testament now. We're not in the Old Testament. The law of the tithe doesn't count. The, the old law is gone and the new law is in its place. And I'm going to tell you, you're wrong. I'm sorry. But you're wrong in a very clear way. See, Jesus had no problem tearing apart the old covenant in favor of the new covenant. He had no problem saying, hey, you're getting it wrong. Right? In a lot of ways, he said, you've heard this. But, but truly, I say to you, this is what it means. But never once did Jesus tell you, hey, here's what you heard about the tithe, but this is really what it means. In fact, what he said is opposite, right? He affirmed the tithe on multiple occasions. He affirmed the tithe. And then what he did is he said, you should go even past it in your generosity. And so, I mean, again, it's not a matter of legalism. Like, well, if you don't hit 10%, God's going to be mad at you. That's not what we're talking about. But Jesus never said, hey, this is gone by the wayside now. In fact, there were multiple occasions that he had the opportunity to say, that's the wrong view now. In light of me, that's the wrong view. But he never said that. He affirmed it. And then he went further. Giving is supposed to be proportional. It's supposed to be fair, right? God didn't say, hey, I need $1,000 from everybody. What God said is, based on what you've been given, five talents, two talents, one talent, it doesn't matter. Based on what you've been given, what I'm asking for you is to give a portion of it back because giving should be proportional. This is the way Paul says it. You should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. And then here's this. Give in proportion to what you have. Of course, I don't mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right? This is the way that it works with giving. If you aren't giving a portion of what you don't have, you're giving a portion of what you have, and somebody else gives a portion of what they have. And then ultimately, it's what God calls equal and fair. And frankly, it puts everybody on the same standing. So David makes a whole lot more money than I do. And if he gives his, I don't know if that's true, but, but he gives his 10%. I make less, I give my 10%. But you know what? It's equal and proportional. We both have given equal sacrifice. And so therefore, neither one of us has more to boast on when we come to the table. We both have been obedient to what God called us to. It was fair, and this is equality, and this is the way that God intended the giving to be proportional, so that we both have invested equally. Does that make sense to you? He would have given a little more because he makes a little more. But my investment was just as sacrificial, was just as proportional. And so I have just as much standing in this. This is what God means when he says that, that he's not asking you for a flat fee. He's not saying, hey, give me every, he's, he's saying, look, give in proportion to what I've given you. That's what the tithe is about. And Jesus affirms the tithe. We keep going, right? Two more left. Giving is to be sacrificial. Listen. Giving should sting a little bit. It's not really putting God first if it doesn't sting a little bit. When Carrie and I first started giving, giving, right? Um, I mean, we, we wrote our $5 check. 
And we put our $5 check in the offering plate. Right? And it looked really good to people because they don't know what was in our check. They would be like, man, those guys are so faithful. They're putting a check in every week. And if we add it all together, it, it, it equaled like 100 bucks for the whole year when God had blessed us with so much more. He says, giving is to be sacrificial. You should have to make some decisions based on your giving. You should have to make decisions based on your giving. You're like, but Matt, I, I can't give what God's asked me to give. I can't give proportionally and still have Netflix and cable and Hulu and Amazon Prime and now Disney Plus and Apple TV. Yeah, I know. Right? But your giving is supposed to be sacrificial. So maybe you have to give something up so that you can honor God because his is supposed to be first. Keep going. Here's the widow, right? Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given in more than all the others who are making contributions. Because they gave a tiny part of their surplus that wasn't sacrificial. But she, poor as she is, gave everything that she had to live on. Very sacrificial. And so what, what Jesus says here is like, the amount didn't really matter to me. The heart mattered to me because where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so throwing a little bit in there of your surplus, that doesn't really matter because that's not... That's not where your heart's going. It's still going somewhere else. But she put in everything she had and said, okay, God, you're going to have to take care of me. And, and so her heart is with God. And so he says, that's what I honor. And so what that means for us is two things. One is, it means there's no excuse not to give. Right? We look at the widow and she's lauded and she gave everything she had, right? So that she could be obedient in this. And two, that some of you, and I've had the conversation with some of you. Some of you are like, well, well what I give wouldn't really make a difference anyway. What I could give wouldn't make a difference anyway. It's like, you're missing the point. The point is about your heart, and your heart will make a difference. And so this is, this is the key, right? And so here's what this means. Proportionally, sacrificially, it means you give God first. He gave to you, you give first. Before taxes, absolutely. Right? Why should we treat the government as more important than God? We shouldn't. Right? Before bills, yeah. Before you pay off your debt, yeah. Right? Because we honor God first and foremost. We honor God before the car that we drive. We honor God before the VCR that we're still paying for that we bought 10 years ago on a really bad credit card. VCRs are these things that people used to have with tapes. Put the tape in. You know. Some of you don't. going, here's the thing. God delighted in her sacrifice because it was inconvenient. And when you sacrifice in an inconvenient way, God will honor that decision and delight in that decision as well. Last principle. Giving is to be cheerful. You must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves people who give Cheerfully, The word cheerfully there is actually the word for hilarious. Like your giving should be so much fun for you that it just doesn't make rational sense. If you picture the widow, like when we talked about the widow before, you know, she, she probably, in my mind, she hobbled, right? She had a cane 
And she hobbled up and she was probably looking very sad, very distraught because she's like, oh no, this is all I have. Well, I guess God wants it. And so she hobbled over and she, she had a sad face and, and, and she put in one and she's like, oh, oh that hurt. And then, and then she put in the other one and she cried because she was so sad that she get, like, like, listen. And then Jesus says, oh, that was so awesome. No, I promise you, she was giggling and laughing right? She was thrilled. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. It's hilarious. It makes no sense to anybody else. It's the insidest of inside jokes, right? And she puts it in there, and she is honored and happy to do it. Listen, you don't want a gift given that's in the wrong spirit. If somebody brought you a Christmas present and said, here's a Christmas present, Marie, I want you to have this Christmas present, I want you to know that I really had to sacrifice to give you this. I was supposed to take my kids on vacation, but now I can't. The motor in my window is broken. It won't roll up, and I can't afford to get it fixed now. So every morning I freeze on the way to work. Probably won't be able to afford food this week, but I want you to have this present. She's probably going to tell me to keep it. Right? We don't want gifts given in that spirit. Why would the God of the universe want a gift given in that spirit? Can I give you a caution, though? This isn't reason to stop giving. You're like, well, Matt said, if I'm not happy about it, I shouldn't give. Yeah, what Matt said is where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will follow. So if you're not there yet, then then practice generosity even before you're there, but let your heart follow. I can promise you when we started to give in our family, it was not like, yes, we're going to have 10% less to live on. That's awesome. We're like, think of the vacations we won't take. Think of the new car we can't get yet. Oh, and that really old carpet. That's going to stay for a while longer. I mean, I promise you that's not where we were. But what happens is your heart follows. That's what Jesus says. Back back in Matthew, right? He says, hey, hey, put your treasure in heaven because where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Because your attitude in giving reflects what you really find most important. Is it God's mission or is it what you want? And look, I know this is hard for some people because it's like, uh, you know, one is you've, you've, you've grown up thinking that all the church does is want from you. I can just tell you this. The church doesn't want from you. The church wants for you. I don't want from you. I want for you. Okay, there's a difference And then on top of that, you know, some of us, if you're like Carrie and I, when Carrie and I first decided that we needed to give, it was when we were leading a small group. And the lesson of that we were teaching in our small group was on giving. (laughs) Like there's nothing more humbling than teaching a lesson on giving when you're like, well, hey, that $5 a month goes a long way, I'm sure, for the kingdom, right? When we're not being generous at all. And so we kind of wrestled with this and this decision that we need to start doing this. And here's the problem. Man, our money was spent it was gone. Like it came in and it lasted till a day before the next paycheck came. That was a really rough day, right? And when I say day, I usually mean week, right? There, there wasn't enough. And so all of a sudden we're like, okay, we're giving. Like we want to do this. How do we do it? And I, I know it's not simple to start, but here's where I want to encourage you. Um, go on. To, yep. Next one. I want to encourage you to, to start somewhere. Uh, we were talking about this in our podcast, and, and Shauna mentioned that this was, this was kind of a thing that, that she saw that was like a new way of thinking for her, that it didn't have to be all or nothing. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to start somewhere. Think about an airplane, right? An airplane doesn't just go from standing still to flying all at once, 
right? It picks up speed, it gains momentum, it starts the takeoff, and it's, you know, it's a process before it's flying smoothly through the air. And so here's the thing, start somewhere. I don't know what your budget looks like. I, I don't care what your budget looks like, except to say this, I'm positive that you can find 1% in it. Start somewhere. Start somewhere sacrificially, purposely, intentionally, and see what God does with it. Right? And then grow it to the point where you're giving a full tithe. And some of you are like, I'm already giving a full tithe. Great. You know what Jesus says after that? Keep going. Excel in giving, but start somewhere. Some of you, it, look, it's, it's the end of November. We're about to get to the new year. Some of you are going to get a cost of living bump in the new year. Maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 2%, maybe it's 3%. Hey, guess what? I just found 3% of your, of your giving, right? Like, here's the thing. You need to start somewhere. And I'll stress this again. It's not because God needs your money. It's because God desires your heart. And where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's just a basic principle. You can argue it if you want, but sit down and really think about it. And you'll have to reconcile the fact that it's true. Where your treasure is, your heart is. Right? And if you're already giving 10%, you're like, well, I'm nailing it. Then I want to encourage you. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, then I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. This is Paul saying, so, so you know what? Keep growing. You'll never be done growing in, in your knowledge. You'll never be done growing in discipleship. You're always looking to excel. Well, excel in this also. Excel in generosity. If you're already giving, you know what? Then this is when we would start to talk about something called above and beyond giving. See, I, I do think, and I think Scripture is clear, that, that your tithe ought to go to the local church. I know it sounds self-serving, but I, I believe your tithe ought to go to the local church. Because the local church is God's primary agency for bringing the gospel and expanding his kingdom. He says, this, this is how I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. The, the, the church is his primary avenue for saving lives and changing eternities, right? So I do think that your tithe ought to go to the local church, but I also think that there are ways that God has wired us to be generous, to excel in generosity in above and beyond giving. There are a lot of faith-based agencies out there. Some of you, you know, sponsor missionaries. Some of you, you, you um, are involved in, in other philanthropic things. All of those, philanthropic things, all of those are good, right? But those are all what we would call above and beyond in generosity. Those are, like, my tithe is going to the local church, but, but I still, I want to sponsor kids, right? And I want to give um, to Matt and Amy Klein as they minister overseas. And I, and I want to give, um, uh, you know, I want to give, I don't know who else we sponsor. We sponsor um, Coppins in, in Cedar Rapids as they minister to college-age kids. We, you know, we, we do the, the Samaritan's Purse and the shoeboxes that we send, or we donate for things like Faith in Action. And I'm, I'm missing some. There's plenty of them that we do, but we do these things, right? Um, those are above and beyond gifts, Sometimes we give above and beyond for church things, right? We're paying off the mortgage of the revolution building. 
Like, listen, we have this building, the Revolution Building, and we use it in such awesome ways to minister to those in the community. It's great. We're doing something there almost every single day to make connections with people and build bridges with people so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. They got fifth quarter on Fridays that's going awesome. We have youth group there. We have, we have prayer meetings there. We have small groups there. We have senior gatherings there. We have a lot of things going on at that building. You know what? Um, and so it's worth what we pay for it. But as soon as it's paid for, well, that's money that we can free up for other areas of ministry. And so sometimes there's above and beyond giving for things like that. But I want to encourage you, if you're already giving a tithe, I want to encourage you to excel in generosity. All right. That's the praise team to come up. I'll do this last thing here. And so, so I just want to say this. When it, when it comes to this, your giving should be a priority. Do you have a plan for it? Um, my working out should be a priority. Currently, I lack a plan. Therefore, it does not get done. Right? But you should have a plan. Also, I want to ask you this. Is it sacrificial? Right? Is it, is it something where you're purposely making a decision to put God first? And I know this seems very practical, but I want to tell you that, that when you think about and you get involved with giving, it's not practical. It's infinitely spiritual. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you're good and gracious, and you have given us everything. You have withheld no good thing from us. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the shelter we have, that's all nice, but, but Father, the very nature of your Son was to, to come and lay his life down for our benefit. You are the giver of all good things. And you tell us that everything we have, we have as a gift from you and that we're meant to steward it, to bring your kingdom here in power, to share with others in need, to bring the gospel where it needs to be. So Father, help us to see this correctly. Help us to have it such an attitude that, that people in this community don't go hungry and that nobody goes without basic necessities while somebody else um, in our congregation has luxury. Father, help us, to live, help us to live in such a way that, that it is our priority through the things that you've given us to make sure that no person perishes this earth without the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond to it. Father, help us to take that seriously. Because where our treasure is, our heart will follow. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for all things. Amen.